Shut up and sit down. Okay, guys, let's get out there and make a difference. Hi, my name is, what, my name is, who, my name is, The Dialed Lady. You are listening to The Dialed Podcast with Matley Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hapler, and Jake Von Turing. You all enjoy our little show now. Hi and welcome to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Von During. Today I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance in studio. In studio. In studio. <laughs> to his right, Evan Price. How's it going? Actually back in the studio. Yeah. And not in sunny, sunny California. Yep. Yeah. And to Evans, right? Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? How are you guys doing? Well, it fantastic. is nice to have the gang. Look at this back at the table. We're all back in, town. in the studio together again. It's been a the month. Boys are back it's been a month. I was just going to say, and how long has it been? Barely snowing outside. It's been a month. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to. Uh, I know. I was getting comfortable in Lance's chair over there. <laughs> yeah. It has been a while. It's a good angle. Yeah, it shines well on your face, huh? All right, uh, let's get started on our backpedal. And I want to start with Evan because Evan had a really cool weekend and I want to hear yeah. all about it. So bring it, Evan. Backpedal for us. There was not a lot of biking this weekend for me. Like some people are sitting at this table who put in a ridiculous amount of miles. When you say there's not been a lot of biking, does that mean like I only put in 75 miles? <laughs> That's, so I, uh, this last week, uh, took a, I wouldn't call it actually a down week because I kind of ramped up the intensity. But um, at the end of the week, I had the Vancouver Lake Half Marathon, which is an awesome little like gem of a race in yeah. this region. It it's, really is. It's nice and small. Lance, yeah. have you done that one? I have done it uh, twice, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's how dec- long, it was a decade ago. How long has that race been around? It's been around like 30 well, years. I, I That's awesome. I know, it's, I know it's been a decade, but I don't think that race has changed much. No. I think it's same course, same deal. Same, same that's idea. really cool that, that something like that stays around for that long yeah. and kind of stays the way that it originally was. Nice and small. Yeah. yeah. Really, course, really well put together. It's too. always that money for that has always gone to like um, local area scholarships yeah. for for um, oh, like high school yeah. to collegiate you know athletes or something. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Very affordable race and mm-hmm. very fast race too. This year, so I, I raced this last year. Um, last year I went 118 and, um, that was, that was not, the field wasn't quite as fast as it was this year. It was a good field yeah. last year, but I think last year I was like seventh at 118. I think 118 this year would have put me almost 20th. I mean, like would have put weird. me way back. Yeah. It's weird that pe- maybe people are starting to figure out that that race is like a nice little, it's a really good early season race. Yeah. Nice little, little snag. Cause yeah. it's, I mean, it's a fast it's course. Flat. Yeah. It's flat. 
This year had more turns. Uh, they, they actually oh, changed really? the course this year. It looked like they started in a different spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a little bit more winding to start. Um, kind of added a, a cool little component because I think it broke up early. It definitely broke up early. Um, and I was uh, racing it with Quinn, uh, who I've been training with a bunch lately, uh, who Matt, Matt and me have talked about on the podcast before. And we had a race plan, and we were basically going to go out conservative and just work our way down. Yeah. And we were lucky that when we got to line, we looked around, and there's two big teams with uh, some pro runners on them, Bowerman, Track Club, and Jacuzzi. Uh, which I think are both from Portland. Matt, do you know? I, I don't know. I never heard of Jacuzzi. jacuzzi group. Yeah. yeah, but they, you know, they were fast. Clearly, uh, they were under 110 guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Bowerman guys obviously are, mm-hmm. are solid and yeah. good group and training from Beaverton, Nike headquarters. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a fast region. But yeah, uh, race went out. You know, me and Quinn stayed conservative and we got this nice little group of four or five guys to start who. We just started clicking down from about 550, a, you know, 550 immediately clicked down to that 540. And we held that until all of a sudden two guys decided they wanted to start going real fast. And we dropped a 530 mile kind of out of nowhere. Wow. And mm-hmm. we dropped another 530 mile. And then that's when really the race started to pick up. Yeah. And um, we bridged a gap to some guys in front of us. Um, and we dropped, I think, a 528 mile there at one point. And that's, that's when I started to hurt, which I think... It was funny. Quinn and I had predicted that the race was going to start at mile eight. And I think mile eight was the 528 mile. Like that was, that was when this kid who was in our group just decided he was going to, he was going to really push the pace. I feel like that's smart racing. Like you, it was, there, yeah. this was not like a high school or, you know, young college guy. These, these yeah. people were like, yeah, we, this is what we do. We know mm-hmm. how to race this yeah. distance. And you typically do that. You'll go out yeah. a little bit more mellow, especially if you have space, like in a race like that, that's yeah. not too too crazy yeah and then yeah you get into a groove and then i think we had we had a multnomah college kid and a portland state kid out in front of us and they went out with the jacuzzi boys to start which was i'm sure if they were to do it again they wouldn't do that because i'm sure their first mile was like 510 515 they were flying and we we brought them back in around mile eight or nine and then just at that point in the race it was so scattered and the moves were so strong that it was you know, once you caught and passed somebody, they, they were tanked because yeah. they had tried to hang on to that front group. Um, Got to be the equivalent of like in a crit, guys just going breakaway speed the first five laps and then guys just getting kicked out the back yeah. as that group's coming through. And um, I like how you try to like translate this over to cycling. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, trying, I bridged yeah. up to the pack. Yeah. And, you know, well, it's, like, no, no, no. You, it's so different in running. Someone, as Matt knows, yeah. it's such a slow process to bridge that You're gap. Like, I, pass, I pass this person. They were, they were done. They were done. Yeah. <laughs> Running is so much easier. Yeah. Um, and I just, it's one of those days, I'm sure everybody at this table's had it, where you just get lucky and your legs feel awesome the entire race. So I was able to keep on pushing. And uh, we actually ended up catching and dropping the guy who made the move at mile eight. He really was struggling the last 5K with just how strong he was running the whole race. Um, and I kind of started to realize, I was like, oh man, I may have a chance to go under 113 here. And uh, I just didn't have the legs the last mile. Um, it really started to hurt the last mile. What so was the last mile? It was like, is, it the, is the last mile the same as the old course? Mm-mm. So okay. so so they changed it. And that might be good because that last mile coming, wasn't that fast. Yeah, well, and, and this one because they, they took you on the trail that goes in, the dirt trail. Yeah. And I was surprised with how the dirt did not feel good at that point. It was a little bit harder to run on the, right. the kind of uneven gravel dirt. Um, and especially when your legs are tanked, that definitely did not you know feel awesome. I think the last 800 meters was gravel. Um, and 
we came through and I, th- I think I came through at like 538 that last mile, okay. somewhere Solid. like that. You didn't fall apart? No, no. And it's felt okay and, you know, came through the finish line and was pretty happy with it. Yeah. Had a, had enough in the legs to go for a swim and bike after that, luckily. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so was it easy, easy swim and bike or? Uh, actually I put some intervals in there in the bike legs just felt good. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. I was, I was telling Cassie after the race, the, I was telling Cassie and Quinn, the only thing that hurt was my jaw and my right arm. <laughs> no idea why that was you literally after the race. I could not, ra- your mouth open the whole I time? could not raise my right arm above my head until I got in the pool and started <laughs> swimming and it loosened up and I was fine. But I was worried. I was like, did I just tear my, like, I literally had a thought. I was like, I may have just tear my rotator cuff during that race. And I have no idea how <laughs> was, much stress. Maybe I, I think know. I was really tense cause it was yeah. cold at the start. Yeah. Warmed up quick. It was fine, but good. So yeah. the weather was okay. Yeah, it, it ended up being fine because it was not predicted to be okay. And I saw a lot of people ran PRs. So not, yeah. just, not just you, there was other people that oh, yeah. did well. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good good race day, definitely. The temperature at the start of that was in the upper 30s, correct? Yeah, and then it got into like low 40s, which, which is, is perfect. the ideal. For and you're out there in your, your tank top and your yeah. running shorts. Yep, running yeah. shorts and gloves. But you heat up quick. It's not like biking. Yeah. Mile, <laughs> totally mile one, true, but still. mile one, I was warm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do they ever do any like breakaway layers and just chuck them on the side of the road? Does that happen? Or you is can, that, yeah. yeah. You'll see that race would be... That uh, they, uh, they had a drop station. The uh, Matt guy I was telling you about, the older guy who races Boston each year and is really uh-huh. does well at Boston. Uh, he he ran with our group for a bit, and uh, he he tried to break away from us, and he kind of pointed at his heels and told me he's like, "Evan, come on, let's go." And I was like, "I'm not going at whatever pace this guy's going yeah. at now." And he kind of pops his shirt off and just ran holding his shirt the entire time. So it was warm enough for Matt to literally run without a shirt on. Huh. Um, poor guy had like. He had done like a 24 mile run the day before, oh. so we we brought him back and then dropped him out. But I mean, yeah. he's got he's got some serious miles in his legs. Wow. So yeah. Then what about the week? Did, were you a little down? Were you under 20 hours for the week? Or? Yeah, yeah. I think I was at like 14 or 15 hours oh, for the week. Okay, that's like a norm. That's a realistic week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a human, like a normal yeah. human. And we'll see. Well, these these next three weeks will be another block. Hard. Yeah, hard. So we'll see if I can maintain. You went first one yeah. this morning. Yep, went first one. 4K. Uh, yeah, yeah, four K okay. on the dot. Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that was my week in chilly, cold Vancouver, Washington. Yes. We yep. missed you, Evan. <laughs> yes, we did. I missed the heck yeah. out of you guys, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> Matt, backpedal for us. Uh okay, so um we did our previous podcast, uh, and so you guys have heard a little bit about the training camp. Um, but um right after that podcast we did um basically like a, a scheduled rest day and we scheduled it based on the weather, which was uh, predicted to be a pretty rainy day, which I think it was. And I think it even sleeted in Southern California that day. Um, I was able to sneak out for a swim and uh, a run, um, which was okay. I mean, it wasn't the you know greatest conditions or pool for that particular event or whatever, but it was, it was super fun. Like I had a blast. Um, the next day was absolutely epic. And this was kind of like the last hurrah of our training camp. And so the ride was scheduled. You know, we, if you guys listen to the last podcast, we had this house for the training camp, um, basically up a, a thousand foot climb over like two miles, like just ridiculous last finishing hill. Oh my God. And Who planned that? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> I don't think we realized it was the top of a hill when they... When they booked it. So, <laughs> but it was good. It ended up being good. The scheduled ride was, um, I think it was an 86 mile route with, um, I want to say 
maybe 8,500 feet of climbing? Yeah, 8,500 feet 8, of climbing. climbing. Okay, and so, and that finishes at the bottom of the hill, and the expectation wow. was like, you, you, you know, you get in a car and you can drive back up to the house because we're all going to be tanked or whatever. And, uh, and it was just one, I mean, like all of us were kind of already like, well, we'll probably bike up, you know, and we'll be so close to 10,000 feet <laughs> that a lot of us are going to want to, you know, make it to 10,000 feet. Of course, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, cause so you're at 86 miles and you climb back up, you know, you're pretty close to 90. A lot of us are like, well, you might want to hit a hundred and 10,000. So it's like, so this is the discussion that's going on. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was just like, I don't know, like maybe I'll bail out mid ride. Maybe, you know, like I just didn't know how I was going to feel after having biked all week, but all of us were pretty optimistic, I think. Yeah. And, um, we got out there and the climbs were just beautiful, long, like steep climbs that just went forever. Super cool. I had a blast and like probably, you know, 20, 30 miles into it, I just started feeling good, like really good, Mm -hmm. like climbing like I climbed away from you guys were, weren't a part of this cause you guys were up front, but I was climbing away from people that I had no business climbing away from them, you know, just like tapping it out, you know, you get into that groove and you're just like, yeah, it was awesome. You know, probably like one of the longer climbs or whatever. I just felt good the whole time. And I know it's still early or whatever in the ride, but I mean, it was nice to have a decent day. And then, um, uh, at one point I caught up to like, we had these different groups I finally, I caught up to, we kind of regrouped or whatever. I was with like Jake's group and we had a really nice group going. We were going pretty mellow and we caught up to the fast group mm-hmm. and, um, and they were taking <clears throat> off, you know, they were like, all right, we're going to go push on for the next big loop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Jake's like, yeah, I'll go, you know, with the fast group. And I'm like, I should not go with these guys. But did you? I went with Yes. Like so dumb, right? Like, yes. Like the, brain, the brain just turns off. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, you're like sure. one. You're like one too many endorphins in the system right there. We're like, no, was, yeah, I got this. Was, well, we were already over 60 miles into the yeah. ride at that point. And, uh, and I just did the best I could. And I think everyone like gets like my ability levels. Like they, we all know kind of where everyone is. And it's like, I know they, they, you know, they know that I'm not the strongest rider and that's okay. Like, I feel like that was all week long. It was like, this is where I am. This is the situation. Like, you know, like, um, I'll push off the front when things slow down for whatever reason, you guys can catch me later. Uh, and it was just, I felt like it was just okay with everyone that I wasn't the fastest biker. Um, but I did have a really nice ride that day and I got to ride with Jake. Like we did a nice long block together. We did. Yeah. And it was just, I just was thinking to myself, like, I am so thankful that I get to ride. Like I didn't, I mean, I rode with Lance a little bit that day, but I was like, I'm so thankful to get to sit around and chill out with Jake and ride like <laughs> in these beautiful like hills and climbs and stuff like that. And we we're just chatting and, mm-hmm. you know, trying yeah. to, trying to suffer through some yeah. Matt got his ear full of all the, the factoids of where I used to live and <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. things I used to do down there and see. Mm-hmm. And then I think where I was hurting pretty bad towards the end and Jake was like, you know, I think I'm just going to go ride over and grab a, a Mexican Coca-Cola you know, with real sugar. And he was like, and then, you know, I'll be able to finish out a hundred miles. And, uh, and I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. You know, I was like, I am going to climb up to the house, but that's enough. And, uh, and then like what, like five, 10 minutes later, you had done an additional climb that you had added on some more stuff. But then like, you know, we were riding together and I was like, ah, I'll go with you. You yeah, know, I was like, yeah. I'll do it. And so I ended up with 101 and I think I only got like 9,400 feet of climbing. Uh, but it was still a ridiculous day, right? That's like awesome. it was probably seven plus hours of biking like that it day. It was seven and a half or it, something. I think it was just shy of seven hours, but it was pretty darn close to seven hours right. on the button. And it, I'm sure there's difference between like ride, like total ride time and like, 
you know, actual biking, mm-hmm. you know, versus stop sure, and stuff. Sure, sure. But um, it was a long, awesome ride, and I was pretty pumped yeah. about that. I don't, I don't think you have any reason to be nervous about your training going into Whistler. No, I really, well, I really don't see any reason that yeah. you can't like be able to put in some awesome bo- bike, blo- uh, bike blocks. A lot of people are kind of, you know, and I, I mean, coming into this training block or whatever, you know, I've, I've been thinking about Whistler obviously all the time and I'm like, you know, if things don't go great, like training was has not been going well so far. And it's like, mm-hmm. if things don't go well, like I can go participate in that race and I think I'll be fine. Like I might enjoy it even more. But after this trip, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, it's February and I've done a nice big block. And like if someone, if, if Lance was like, Hey, let's go do, you know, 80 miles on Saturday. Like I could do it. Like yeah. I know I'm, you know, and that's huge. Cause that usually doesn't Definitely. happen. Mm-hmm. I don't usually get there until and you basically tons May. Tons of time. You yeah. Have to- I mean, there is so much time right. before yeah. Whistler now. So Matt was even commenting on that while we we're out riding about how it kind of broke down some mental and physical barriers for him. Right. And he knows yeah. now it's like, all right, I've got that in my back pocket. That's not a problem. And this was a big week this for me. Is, yeah. so. This is why this triathletes nice. planning to do Ironmans should go on cycling teams training yeah. camps yeah. as if you want to get over that bike mental block yeah. just go out there and ride with the best yeah. yeah it was super fun i had a blast and then um let's see got back um you know i did i think um a little run on the flight day and took a ton of videos and a ton of stuff that i just need to sift through and work on uh and then yesterday had some fun stuff with the video yeah we yeah. totally had a blast we and then did. uh I did a long run with my wife. Well, it wasn't really very long. We did an eight miler on the trails mm-hmm. yesterday in the snow and stuff. I saw whatever. that. Yeah. It was nice. It was cold. Super nice. Yeah. Um, swam today and, uh, it was kind of, the swim was kind of a bust because, you know, outdoor pool. I was kind of bummed about that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But we'll, we'll make up for it. Yeah. We'll get this we'll sw- back in. Try we'll, and get the swimming back rolling. And we'll, then. we'll get the crew back in town. I think we, we, we both put in a good set today by ourselves, but yeah. well, you were, you were swimming with the mine group. Was, mine was a bust. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I, I kind of, I feel like I need to ease back into the swimming a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you, you took, you, you needed a week down. You had a bunch of yeah. high volume swim weeks. So yeah. 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 So I'm super pumped with my previous week. I think, uh, depending on like when you start the week and in the week, it's like over 27 hours of, of training for the week, which is <sighs> ridiculous for, for me. That's, you know, going from 15 <laughs> to 27 is a big jump. Yeah. So start calling you Evan Bryce. Yeah, yeah. You, you know you you toasted me this think, week. That's what I was thinking. He I was like, me. I was like, this is we, Evans every like normal week. Yeah. It's and, like a like, Tuesday for Evans, and he fits in like work. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just so crazy, and a life like work. I will say, uh, three hundred whatever miles of it is usually not on the bike. So. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, you want to backpedal for us? Sure, bring it. You know, Talk, speaking of stats here, let's hear numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta say. As this week went on, I just got more confident and more, I just felt better about my abilities and being able to hang with the fast guys. And I, it was, it was so encouraging for me to be able to do this week and just to kind of connect with our teammates a bit better. I, I, I loved it. I just absolutely loved it. We buried ourselves a couple of days and it was just fantastic so i very much enjoyed it the um yeah my my stats for the week ended up being it was 31 hours of cycling jeez <laughs> what was your canoeing time too weren't you weren't you kayaking at <laughs> one point yeah, yeah, screwing around in the pond we'll yes. put you at 33 hours then for that. but it was 31 hours on the bike it was 532 miles of riding 
and uh, 45,000 feet of climbing over the week. That is very comparable to some Grand Tour weeks. Like, that's not that far off from a couple Grand Tour weeks. Well, I, I tell you, as, as the Matt was talking about this last day, and that last day, I was out there for about six and a half hours, and yeah, and I did 110 miles and um, 11 and a half thousand feet of climbing in that last day. So ridiculous. And, and, and as the day wore on, I just felt, I felt better and better. Yeah. We got to this one segment and I was 95 miles into the ride and it was a, it was a five and a half mile segment that was gradually uphill. And, um, and I, I ended up dropping everybody that's what I thought was interesting was like it <laughs> doesn't actually surprise me with the volume that you've been putting over the last well, like 15 months and I was I was watching some of your climbs and stuff like that and I was like Lance I don't really consider you a climber like, no but like I was like we might have to reclassify Clance here I know really but I, mean, like, I was like but there he is like he's ahead of people I'm not expecting him to be ahead of like this is just neat to watch it, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to be able to hang with some of the climbers that I did and just, you know, the the volume and as my body composition has changed a little bit, it's I've just been able to hang up there. So the pure climbers, no, there was there right. was no chance. Well, and it depends on the grade of things and all this different stuff. But like, yeah, you know, like the, the climb home was very steep. Yes. Well, in that in that front group, I mean, if we're talking about Jordan, yeah. what Jordan, Paul and Chris were probably the top group. Yeah. Up there. Yeah. Chris Hanel and yeah. And um, who else Chris was up there with him? Surratt was up there. OK. Hatfield was and up John there. Hatfield. Yep. OK. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're talking about that group, especially Jordan out of that group. That's some of the best amateur cycling climbers in the Oregon Washington area I mean those uh, yeah, are those, I put those guys in the top 10 15 and I you're mean, there just hanging and you're cat five, yeah. five. <laughs> I'm cat five. <laughs> yes I am a cat five let's just let's just put that sticker on your back <laughs> you're but, that guy that clear. fours hate because they're like in the four or five races and they're like you know there's gonna be some ridiculous cat five guy who's been racing cross for too long that comes over here and kills everybody <laughs> The, the, the funnest part was at the end of this 110 mile ride and it was in funner. It was funner. <laughs> yeah. We did go through the town of funner, California. Yeah. <laughs> it's not too far from Mount Palomar. Anyway, um, at the very end of this ride, um, we have the, this last sprint segment and we talked about it. Um, we talked about it last week a little bit mm-hmm. and here we are 110 miles into the ride and me and Chris Hanel and Chris um, Surratt, who are, who who were all kind of riding in the front group all week, they both come to me and go, "Hey, let's Lance, let's lead you out for this final segment and see if you can get the KOM back." Yeah. 110 <laughs> miles into this ride. 110 miles into oh, the ride. This is like the into the house. Basically. This is yeah, the like last like half mile of, into the house. Rollers mm-hmm. into the house. And, and they both like led me out beautifully and I ended up getting the KOM by like five seconds, which, which was great. Which is big on like a minute and a half or whatever that thing it was. was. Like a, it was like a minute and 12 seconds yeah. and I averaged like 450 watts. Southern California KOM sprint, 110 <laughs> well, miles into now, a ride. There's a backstory to that. There's, okay. The, this particular KOM was basically team specific because it, it was yeah. into the, ah, into the house. Yeah. yeah. So... So it's not like, like, you know, Cannondale riders are like, no, <laughs> they're no. doing this one. Okay. There was what, like two other people who had ever ridden <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Crushed them. But it, it ended up being like a little team thing. Everybody kept going for it at the end. And, yeah. 
and I ended up getting it. But but and I mean, it was you got you had a hammer at the end of a hundred and ten miles. So <laughs> yes. that would be with Lance's training. The K one that he would get would be the one at the end of a ridiculously long ride, a dead sprint. <laughs> it was it was just it was fantastic. I just I loved it. I loved every minute of it. On our on our easy day or the rest day when when Matt um, uh, went swimming and running. Yeah. Uh, Jake and I and and five others we drove up to Orange County, and um, we did this this back bay ride, which was just beautiful. But I mean, and it was like fifty miles, like forty seven miles, and it just felt easy. Easy, yeah. <laughs> which which was, you know, you don't expect it's, that. It's nice when like fifty miles is our starting to be our like oh yeah oh that's, that's a recovery that's a, day that's yeah, yeah it's just a recovery that's day. a good thing yeah at the end of that ride you just felt like your whole body had this sense of like calm and just like relaxation over it and like wait a second i just rode for however long over almost 50 miles and i feel fantastic right now so it was the perfect recovery day so i've been tracking my recovery with this whoop strap yeah. and i had been in like terrible red numbers for a couple of days because we were just flogging ourselves after that 50 mile ride that day i was at 85 percent the next morning wow i had like fully bounced back after a easy day in the saddle which was only 50 miles but it was flat yeah but um that's showing really good fitness if you're able to i mean the 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 quicker obviously you can bounce back it's the same idea with heart rate variability like the quicker that that variability returns the the fitter you are we were all just geeking out on numbers all week long which was just super fun (laughs) but i loved it i had i had just had a great time too much fun training camp good times yes (laughs) (laughs) um yeah just to i'll backpedal real quick here and i don't want to go through all of this because this could be a lot of rinse and repeat of what you guys had said but um the ride in orange county was definitely fantastic we started gosh it was less than it was about a half mile from where i used to live so it was in a parking mm-hmm. lot where it was i could walk i could have walked to my old house and saw some old neighbors and whatnot that was great that was fun and the little french cafe or bakery place that we went to and got a, a nice little uh was it a croissant, like a chocolate croissant it was a chocolate croissant and and jake and i bought one to split one and I ate half of it and got back in line and bought another one. <laughs> Absolutely. Why would you split a croissant? Are you kidding well, me? <laughs> so, um, yeah, 110 miles and you know 10,600 feet of climbing for me in one day. That was an accomplishment. I mean, I my legs felt fantastic that day. My mm-hmm. neck and my shoulder, not so much. And I'll yeah. talk with you more about that later. Yeah, but it, was, <laughs> it was all of the descending that really kind of did me. And I started getting yeah. some like some unpleasant feelings in there, but mm-hmm. I started taking easy on that. And in, in, in that process, like after a descent, the, the lead group would just ride away. And I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. And Matt made for a fantastic training partner. He actually pushed me for quite a few miles through there just like you sat in front of me and he made a good little uh pacer so it was mm-hmm. fun riding with him and chatting and talking and telling stories and and to finish that day like lance said as the day went on i felt stronger and stronger it's like crazy to yeah, me like because you have been relegated to the trainer well, think yep, about where you were nine time. months ago now you're hanging on this trip i mean this is not a this is not your typical cycling training camp like the the numbers <laughs> you guys put out are not like this isn't the like go out there and you know hang out sort of training camp. Like you guys put no. in some serious miles. Yeah. I only went home that day 
because everybody was going out to dinner that night and yeah. it was getting close to that time. Yeah. I could have gone out there and done the Kept whole, going. you know, yeah. the whole climb over and over yeah. again. Cause legs, I was, I saw you and I was like, where's he going? Like we, I need to go, I need to quit. And like you, <laughs> you were just riding off into the sunset. Well, he's, he's, he's back home awesome. and his stomping ground. I mean, yeah. that's like mentally well, that had to be very cool therapeutic to too. You could tell I was done. I mean, I was, I was the end of <laughs> that road. Mexican Coke though that tasted good. Oh, huh? it was good, and that gave you a, a nice little pop there. It was at good the end. for about a mile and a half. <laughs> now I was I was looking at the flybys on that last ride where me and Chris and Chris had hooked up to do that very last segment. Yeah, we we missed you by like yards at really? an intersection <laughs> where we turned around to kind of gear up to speed into this oh, the final KOM segment. Thing? Yeah. I think I saw you guys just a, like just a, a flagging second of you, and I kept going straight uh, back you to went that up up to, to the that water, water tower. Tank, yeah. yeah, people are listening to this going, "What in the world are they talking about?" Like, just shut up and get to the point here. <laughs> anyway, it was a great day. It was it was nice to come home yesterday, all day long, I, and I even told my wife a couple times. I'm like. I feel like I need to be going for a ride. She's uh-huh. like, do you know how much you just rode this past week? I'm like, yeah, I know, but I feel like I need to go for a ride. I, do yep. I go ride on the train or do I go build my bike back up and throw it yeah. on there? It was kind of crappy weather yesterday. Do I maybe get on the mountain bike and go ride on some some of the the, you know, <laughs> the gravel trails out there so I don't ruin any trails? And I'm like, no, just hang out. Just stay at home. Just be with your family. And all day long, I wanted to get on the bike. And then I woke up this morning and then it kind of hit. I'm like, okay, I'm freaking tired. So yep. it, that, that part did yep. set in today. So, yep. but, um, it's nice to be home. Um, you know, I, again, I still can't believe I drink a Mexican Coke. You guys, I haven't had a Coca-Cola in decades. Yeah. That was nuts. Sorry. I just to throw that in there one more time. All right. You, you did unbelievable. I mean, just, I just uh, thinking like you're how, how much you just done the trainer. Like you just pretty much, I did four rides outside leading into that whole training camp. And how and how many miles you put in for the week? <laughs> oh, for me, uh, over four hundred. It was four hundred fifty-two. Four fifty-two. Four fifty-two. Yeah. What is that like? Twenty-three, twenty-four hours. Uh, twenty-five hours because you guys were climbing a ton. Probably. So, oh, actually, I had. 27 and a half hours. 27 just because of yeah, yeah, tons of climbing. Yeah. Lots and lots one, of climbing. At one point I was tons out riding and I was yeah. like, I came through 26.2 and I looked at my watch and I was like, I've run faster than this. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my marathon PR. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, that's sad. <laughs> we went to get a cup of coffee on the last day and rode at a leisurely pace and it was still 2,000 feet of, co- of climbing. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? It was what twenty two miles. I'd be or like twenty two like like miles with that day around and here it was right now. Two thousand feet of climbing. I've had zero feet of climbing on my trainer <laughs> yeah. right lately. For every ten, like everywhere we rode, every ten miles we rode, we gained a thousand feet of elevation gain on average. That was our average. So that was a. It was God, a lot of a climbing. Ridiculous. It was, was, was kind of nuts. So, all right. Today's topic: things we are curious about and why. And this can be just about anything with respect to cycling, running, triathlon. Um, getting into things like products, events, gear, tech, and, and anything. So I'm going to run around the table. I'm just curious mm-hmm. to see what you guys are kind of curious about. Because there's a lot of things kind of like starting yeah. to pop up that are like, hey, you know what? That mm-hmm. could actually turn into something and be something kind of neat. Or there could be some um, you know, re-releases of certain things just like uh, – you know the the SRAM the the access drive trains that just That's came out. I mean, we talked. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay, sure. Sorry. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of like cool things coming up, and I think that we're starting to see another little push in terms of like mm-hmm. technology and changes on the Definitely. horizon. Um, so I just I'm curious to see, think what 
you know, or hear what you guys have been thinking and, and what you've been reading about and what you're uh, curious to see uh, coming down the pipeline. So, Lance, you want to start us off? Mm-hmm. Um, my, my first question, and I've never had one on a bike that I've used regularly, is dropper seat posts on mountain bikes. Yeah. So what's what's really the advantage of the dropper seat post? And this may be a, a question for beginners, you know. <laughs> This is a good question for I don't athletes. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're for speed, right? Like you drop down, it's, you're lower, yeah. you have lower center of gravity. It's it's yeah, it's exactly that. It's for when you're getting into more of the technical riding and you need to get your your butt back over the the saddle. You don't want the saddle coming up and hitting you in the stomach. You don't want the saddle to be in the way. You want to be able to get your center of gravity a little bit lower so you can be more agile when you're going down a lot of the uh, the different terrains. And what's nice mm-hmm. is if once you have it set, you'll hit a little button and the seat will actually come right back up to your normal ride height so that you have the ability to push it down, get it out of the way, hit that button, it's right back exactly where you dialed it into so that you're not having to dink around with it to figure out exactly what your saddle height was. I feel like um, Global Cycling Network's YouTube channel did like, what about dropper seat posts for road biking? Like it was super. Did you see that one? It may or may not. I think that's what was on there. You guys can look it up and see when if you're I'm thinking wrong. For like I, descending versus climbing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Descending yeah. on a road bike oh. and dropping your seat like to, yeah. to get lower. It was interesting. That's cool. That cool. could be quite interesting. Well, I mean, because you have people sitting on the... Um, sitting on, on sitting their on frame. Sitting on the top tube. Right, yeah. on the top tube, which mm-hmm. we all know is a little sketch. It is It is sketchy. But I feel like every year the Pro Peloton, there's more people doing it. I did it several times this oh, week. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, it's fun because you. I mean, we were. Going, it's different in peloton riding. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like pure peloton. Like if you're out there with like seven guys descending, you guys got some space between each other. Like, I, don't, I mean, and, and we yeah. had like a highway worth of space on some of those descending spots. Yeah. Like, I don't know, what did you max out at? Fifty-five miles an 55? hour. Yeah, I, I hit forty-seven. I think that's that's fast. It's fast. fast. Yep, it's fast. So you had a dropper seat post. You could have gone sixty. Yeah. <laughs> Dropper seat posts, though, are, they're, they're pretty cool, and you're starting to see bike manufacturers actually integrate them into the frame, so you're not having to deal with all the external wires. You're not having to deal with the installation process of actually getting the thing set up and working properly. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. based on the way that they're able to integrate them in there, you might be having some weight savings as well. So mm-hmm. um, there's a little bike that's right behind Evan that people can't see right now, but mm-hmm. it has an integrated seat, uh, dropper post into it. And you, you, you can't tell other than the fact that there is a lever up there on the bars to um, adjust it it's a um, nice up BMC. and down. Yeah, it's a very nice mm-hmm. BMC. Yeah. Um, that that's going to be my bicycle <laughs> and I'm very excited to go out and ride it and play with it. And I, this will actually be the first bike that I've ever had mountain bike. That is with the dropper seat post in it. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. First time mm-hmm. I've installed a bunch of them and I've ridden on them before and played with them. But how do you think your shoulder will hold up on, uh, some of the mountain biking stuff? The reason why I'm telling you this is because last week proved to me that I can get out and ride on the dirt. And my doc told me that it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's okay for me to go out and start doing it. And, um, granted I, I didn't feel like perfect last week. I had some moments, but, um, you know, with a little bit of stretching and icing and, and just resting, it mm-hmm. came back around and it's, it's doing its thing. It's I'm curious to see, like, cause I go in to see Evan for physical therapy mm-hmm. tomorrow. I'm, I'm curious to see what the measurements come in at yeah. after what we did, but, yeah. um, I'm ready to go out and start riding on some dirt and I'll ease my way into it. And I think that that's going to help me build some more strength. Um, one of the biggest things that I saw a difference in was mm-hmm. just being able to ride out of the saddle. And yeah. being able to rock the bike back and forth. Like, I really was, my shoulder was mm-hmm. fatigued at the end of the day. Yeah. Rest 
and wake up the next morning and sometimes it was a touch sore, but mm-hmm. it, it felt better as the camp went on. So I'm starting to get that component back. So knowing that that's why I'm ready that's to go ride I mean, the mountain bike. I again. mean, you had to get out of the saddle, right? That I mean, is some of the climbs that we were that's doing. That's almost better than we could have hoped for Jake. The fact that yeah. they was recovering each yeah. day, I mean, <laughs> even if there's still that major fatigue in yeah. there, that's still the final yeah. climb home. It was like two and a half, to three miles. God. Yeah, well, well, just, just the climbing component was about two miles. What a cap out at. Uh, 17, 18% grade. Okay. There was three yeah. sections. There's three sections. Yeah. Three sections of 18%. Yeah. yeah. And, and you basically, I mean, and there was that, they found a, a hill that was even steeper coming yes. up to the house a different way. It was yeah, longer. Okay. It was 1,700 feet and it had six sections of 17% or higher. Yeah, but, there's no but shortage mean, of climbing down there. I'm getting killed on group rides here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you'll be fine. So anyway. All right. So that that was my big question. I know that I, I need to add it to my mountain bike. I think yeah. it will it will speed me up on descents because I'm not that good of a descender on my mountain bike yeah. because I don't take those chances on my mountain bike because yeah. I've crashed so many times on my mountain bike. Mm-hmm. But that that's one thing that I think I wanted to add, cool. and I just wanted this group's. Yeah, we just got set up with uh, Pacific Northwest Components, and they do dropper seat posts specifically do um, them. And they work extremely well in the the BMC that you have, the the four stroke. Yeah, we put one in uh, Whitney Phillips' bike, and he loves it. He he thinks it's rock solid. And there's a bunch of other people that have had them as well from that particular company that like them a lot. That's why we sought them out, and they uh, they hooked the team up. So, kind of neat. Sign me up. I yeah. need one. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Awesome. Evan. Uh, I got, so since I'm obviously not our gear tech expert in this group, I've got a question for what the beginning of the Obra road season looks like over race season. Like what is, what is it? I know, I know it's changed a little bit since last year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just kind of what the schedule looks like going through May, we'll say. So for people that are new listeners and things like that, um, the Obra system is like our local bike kind of governing body group and it's Mm -hmm. the Oregon bike racing association, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bicycle. Okay. And so even though some of us are in Southern Washington, um, it still encompasses our group because we race a lot in the area. So, Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a good group. Yeah. So they do a pretty good job of rolling things out. The unofficial season opener will be Jack Frost, and that's a mm-hmm. time trial. Granted, it's not a road race, but yep. it's kind of like the unofficial start to the season where you'll get a lot of people come out there um, to try that. I mean, usually the, the time trials around here, 100, 125, 150 people on a good one. Mm-hmm. Last year, they had over 300. I, I want to say it was 350 people. Half of them group. were from our team. <laughs> yeah, we had quite a few <laughs> people out there. Mm-hmm. I think we set some records, but... Um, that's pretty much the unofficial start. The weekend after that, we will get into a race series called, uh, well, it used to be a series. It's not a series anymore. It's just a single race. Yeah. Um, oh, is it? Dirty Circles. Yeah. Dirty mm-hmm. circles. It used to be a three-race series. Is it called Dirty Circle now or Dirty Circles? <laughs> no, it's Dirty Circles because you do multiple laps uh, of this one course. So okay. it used to be the Dirty Circles race series, and it was three weekends in a row, which was a, a really nice early season deal. And you go out there and you know rack up the points over the three-race series, and the winner mm-hmm. would you know get a nice little gift certificate somewhere. But now it's just a single race, which is still fun. Um, and you know, intense purposes, it's one's one's enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing that three weekends in a row, it's a. I'm not. I'm not going to call it a boring course, but it's right. uh, it's not anything that's really to want to go back and ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a little six mile flat loop. So, um, and then after that, they progressively start to get steeper and steeper. Now, the the downside is this year we're missing some races that we had on the calendar last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because we're dealing with uh, rising costs. Um, mm-hmm. The promoters are putting on their races, and they are 
kind of rolling the dice as to whether or not they're even going to break even. And there's a couple of races that a few promoters that I know did last year. They lost money. They lost several thousand dollars. Yep. That's not good. Um, <clears throat> we are also seeing lower numbers in road racing. Um, you know, I think from 2017 to 2018, it was about the same. We might have even have a, like an uptick just a tiny bit up. But still on the whole, if you look at the past like five years, the, the trend is going down, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And you couple that with increasing prices of, or costs to get you know, licensing and road permits and, and things of that nature. It's just kind of a bummer because it's going to it's gonna kill the sport if we don't do something. And uh, from Ober's perspective, we're, we're trying to do stuff, me sitting on the board of directors and working with some other people. And we're, we're trying to kind of insulate the promoters so that they're not getting into a situation where they're losing money. We're trying to come up with funds and being creative so that we can offset some of their costs so that they can either, you know, break even if that's what they're okay with or actually make some money for the time that they're putting into this because it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. I mean, ton of time. Ton yeah. of time. So anyway, um, getting back to your question, how does it unfold going into May? Um, it you just pretty much every single weekend it seems like it's there's a something. race yeah. and they will gradually get a little bit steeper and get a little bit longer and a little bit more grueling. Um, and they'll basically wrap up sometime in, in May, if I'm not mistaken, you'll probably have... As far as pure road races, the first one is Dirty Circles. Yeah. The next one after that is Piece of Cake, mm-hmm. which is... The uh, weekend after that. It's or? Yeah, the weekend after that. It's mm-hmm. a circuit race. It's a relatively flat course as a well. A relatively flat mm-hmm. course. And then Kings Valley Road Race, which has some climbing in it. That does have a hilltop finish, and mm-hmm. that is a fun fun race it's beautiful down there mm-hmm. highly recommend that and one and shortly yeah. after that our PIR races start what That's weekend the, is the Kings Valley race it is April 13th it's a Saturday mm. race and there's a bunch of mountain bike races and gravel races interspersed in there I'm actually a little bummed because this weekend was supposed to be the first mountain bike race mm-hmm. um, but um, because of weather and snow they postponed it two weeks and I'm going to be in Hawaii the week it's going Oh, off. you poor sap. Are you bringing <laughs> a bike to Hawaii? I'll, I'll take a bike to Hawaii. Yeah. yeah. Do another 500 plus miles? Something like that. Go do that. Um, uh, Haleakala repeats? On, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say. Are you, are, it's like a 40 mile. Go Everest, go Everest Haleakala. Yeah. <laughs> correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the highest paved road in America? Uh, I thought that make, at one point in time, but I, I was corrected. I think it's the second highest. And second I can't highest. Rem- okay. I can't remember where the other one's at, but um, I know it's, it's definitely it's one of the most famous climbs. We'll call it one I of mean, the top three. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's tall. <laughs> yeah. But you'll climb, you'll climb in Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Good work. So, mm-hmm. okay. So back to the, the, the road racing question. Mm-hmm. What is that? What you're curious about is just what, how the, the season. Yeah. Yeah. And up? that's, and you, you, you know, for me, as I get closer to, uh, my, my first race of the year, it's, I'm, I'm going to be honest and, you know, I kind of want to pose this question to everybody. I'm, I'm nervous to throw road racing into my training schedule right now for, for a couple of reasons. And the, the main reason is a crash. Like yeah, that's oh, absolutely, yeah. that's, that's number. I've put a lot of work going into this first race. And yeah. if I go down, I would be like pretty broken up about that. And two is, you know, I mean, I, I definitely see the, the benefits of me doing it in between, uh, Galveston and Chattanooga, which would be the races through April and May. Yeah. Like April, May being that, that area when I hit it. But, um, yeah, right, right, right now I'm not, you know, I'd love to be convinced at this table to race in March, but I'm not positive if I should right now. So dirty circles would be one that I would definitely here's consider. Here's my though. two cents on that. Dirty circles. It's flat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, what's good about that race and with your ability level and the level that mm-hmm. you'll the category that you'll be racing at and the fact that you'll have teammates you can stay relatively insulated mm-hmm. you guys can work together and you can create breakaways we had two or three yeah. races last year um categories out at dirty circles where we had just flat out breakaways from the entire group yeah mm-hmm. and they were off to to the races and they didn't have to worry about anything yeah um there's going to be a sprint finish there though because it's flat so yeah. that's typically where things go a little bit sideways yeah. we mm-hmm. had the um the piece of cake road race in the the four yeah. fives uh that one has a sprint finish too doesn't it it has it has yeah. a tiny little uphill grade to it but it's a sprint finish and you're out of the saddle getting after it and there was a crash there as well and one of our teammates mm-hmm. got tied up in that which was unfortunate it was uh kurt Kritschko. yeah and um you know there were some shenanigans there from mm-hmm. the uh, the lower level riders crossing over center line and, and yeah. just doing some dumb stuff there was some really not games. necessarily our teammates yeah. but there was definitely people out there that were making yeah. bad decisions because I would, I would probably go and race. I know at Dirty Circles they only have a one, two, three, and a four, five. Right? There's no three, four. Uh, there is a that's three, four, but it's Masters. Okay, so I so don't know. open. There is a three, four, but I'm not sure if it's on the open or not. So. I think I think that's what Dave, uh, David Goodman was saying. Is I don't think there's an open three, four this year. I think it's going to be a four, no, five. There's a men's four, five. Yeah. There's a Masters thirty-five plus. Okay. Four, five. So I'd be fine with jumping one, two, into the four five. What are my odds? I mean, like I've I've raced as a three for the years before when I was racing. Mm-hmm. So I would just have to downgrade with, with Obra down to a four. Yeah, well, you're going to have to register with them to begin yeah. with. Um, yeah. And I think you can probably... That's a good question. I, just told I, my, I could just ask them if I could start Yeah, as a just four. let them know that you were yeah. a three with a USAC and you haven't raced in years and you would like to downgrade to a four. And I'm pretty sure they'll let you do that because you yeah. don't have a lot of race history here. Yeah. So, but um, for you, I would recommend hilltop finishes. Those yeah. are going to be great That's for you. And there are my, a fair amount of them here. Yeah. My, my, my problem with the Kings weekend is uh, we, we have a weekend planned up uh, uh, to go to, up to Seattle for, for a break from the, oh, no. from kind of, kind of the grind of training. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause, Cause that would be the weekend after Galveston. I, I, feel I need like that same weekend is the, um, um, spring classic duathlon which is another race that you would like i think it's the 13th as well yeah mm. that's okay i've i, I know you don't care i need to i need to get away from the training and, and the grind of it after yeah. after that galveston yeah. weekend yeah. but yeah it's unfortunate but totally makes sense yeah. um you still have uh montanor yeah i would, that's, I would that's love to jump may in that 4th. that's they, may 4th they may or may not put barton park on the schedule this year i'm not okay 100 i would love sure, to jump into that that's one, a yeah. great circuit race mm-hmm. it's a, another six mile lap if i'm not mistaken and mm-hmm. they've got what's called affectionately called the wall <laughs> Yeah. And you yeah. got to go up that thing probably six times. Yeah. Um, that used to be eight times, if I'm not mistaken, but they cut it back like a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, another hilltop. Sp- well, you got to mm-hmm. get up that thing to get to the sprint. And the sprint's only like, I don't know, like 50 meters long or 100 meters long or something like that once you get to the very top. But mm-hmm. it, it, the pretty much the, the sprint starts going up the hill. Got it. Okay. But there are quite a few hilltop finishes. Silverton's going to be another good one for you, too. Okay. That good. one's a fantastic one. See, and that'll and be that's, the state championship. And that's, and that's perfect going into, uh, in, into a race like Chattanooga that has a ton of climbing. So I think, yeah. I think that's where I'm probably going to. That April May period is where I'm going to hit a lot of those of those types of sure. road races. And When's Silverton? Do you guys happen to it's June? June fifteenth. Yeah. Oh, that'd be another. That that'd be perfect timing. Yeah. Good. That'd be a lot of fun. So, yeah. There's. But yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with jumping into dirty circles. How I would handle it was just late. I would try and break away, and if it doesn't work, I would just drop out the back and not be involved in the sprint. Would probably be how it'd work out. No, you wouldn't. You'd be right there. <laughs> that's a that's a hundred percent lie. Yeah, that is. That's a big, big lie. <laughs> it's definitely not worth you having a crash. At this I know. Point. This is true. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Just you just got to play it out. You know. Yeah. And if you're it if it's just you and a bunch of other people and they seem like they've been a little squirrely because you'll pick that up oh, pretty yeah. soon. Oh, if they yeah. seem like yeah. they've been squirrely, then just let it go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What about doing some time traveling? 
That's what, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to get the, 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 the BMC built up first and then, yeah. and then, and then definitely jump into some, we'll, we'll see if I can, may not be able to have them before Jack Frost, but I may take the shiv out to Jack Frost anyway, sure. just to test sure. it out. Cause so, you can yeah. score points for the team, which was, you know, something I was pumped about last year. I was yeah. like, I may not race yeah. well, but who cares if I and score that's where, a couple points. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel like I want to go out there and, you know, help, help. I'm not sure, sure. how much I'll be able to help the team out, but I definitely want to go out and help the team and kind of get back into road racing. I've just got to be careful this year i think and that's sure. what some people who were talking to me were saying like why are you going out there and risking that right before your first race so yeah. but yeah cool yeah, yeah jack frost should be safe oh, i mean you can, fine, we can yeah. make it into a workout and then yeah. i would um, we just run off the bike with there, somebody there are yeah. people that crash in time trials so oh i've yeah. I've, I've crashed in a time trial before yeah, yeah. so it's fine. still yeah. i mean they can still have to keep your head up and not stress too much anymore. about yeah <laughs> I'll probably flat there. I've been be I've been consistently flatting out of Vancouver Lake. So, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what are you curious about, bud? Um, well, we talked about one by systems. Uh, I think one by on a TT bike would be absolutely fantastic. You know, um, so SRAM has a new one by system, um, and it's one by well, it's, it doesn't have to be one by, but they have a new series of components uh, with a twelve speed rear cassette and you know, either one or two in the front and it looks fantastic. I think on a time trial bike, you could go one by 12 and have a pretty good range of gearing. Gotcha. Uh, I think you could climb with it. I think you'd be fine on, you know, actual, some really difficult courses like mm -hmm. Whistler. Um, I don't, because Whistler is a ridiculous amount of climbing, I don't think I'm going to make any major changes at this point, but potentially like after Whistler, I could see myself kind of looking at something like that. Sure. Um, because most of the races you do are flat enough and, you know, having, you know, 12 different gears, the ratios you can kind of set up, you can make most stuff work. <laughs> so, um, yeah. they have a thinner chain, um, and they've added uh, a little bit of metal to the top of the chain. So it's kind of an odd looking chain, but, I think, I think it makes sense. Um, and then obviously I love the idea of kind of like wireless shifting from, you know, I think from a, a bike maintenance standpoint, if you're not running cables every which way it's, I think it's easier. And then, you know, being able to shift from the, the hoods and then the aero bars is ideal yeah. as well. So for sure, definitely from the hoods that, that, yeah. that remote hood so shifting nice. is awesome on the TT super, bike. Yeah. Super nice. Mm -hmm. So from a gearing perspective, right. You've got a one by 12 setup. They, and we're getting away from two by 11 and now we're two by 12 or one by 12. Right. Um, rotor is coming out with their one by 13 in April. Oh, and, I thought they were, yeah, uh, it's hydro, their hydraulic system. Correct. <laughs> one by 13. And yeah. everybody's asking, well, why didn't they just go one by 14? Cause if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, it's a one by 14 setup that covers all of the gear ratios that you would find in a two by 11 setup. I wow, think that's crazy. Weight is that why? Well, it's probably well, spacing. There's, spacing weight. It's yeah. that, but evidently there's something that's been hiding under our noses since 1999 that nobody really picked up on until just recently, and that's a patent held by Shimano. Oh, okay. So did Shimano used to have a one by fourteen? No, but they have a patent for it, and they've had it since 2019. And I'm sure that they're just playing the long game to get there by releasing, you know, your two by ten, your two by eleven, your two by twelve, your one by twelve, and then. You know, every time they release those iterations, they make more money until they get to that that one by fourteen scenario. And the the question was, is well, why didn't Rotor just jump the the one by thirteen since they're going to be the only ones out there, and nobody else is making any components that are going to sync up with that because they need to have their own hub, they need to right. pretty much have their own wheel, and mm -hmm. it's going to be a full proprietary system. Well, why didn't they just make the jump to one by fourteen where you can cover all of those gear ratios? 
and evidently it boils down to what they're thinking is a patent held by Shimano that potentially um, got in their way. So, well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I just push the pedals harder. Who cares? I know, right? (laughs) I mean, like if if there's if you're skipping like one jump here and there, like I'm okay with that. It doesn't have to be a straight block. Like somehow, somehow Eddie Merckx made it up the tour of Flanders climbs each year without (laughs) on a nine speed. But having like um, you know cassettes that are you know. 10 by 30 like that's just it's it's that's cool what they are yeah. they've got a 10 tooth cog yeah what? yeah <laughs> that's what they're using they're using 10, 10? instead of 11 because you're gonna go smaller well, in why? the front because <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you need to be able 60 to... miles an hour downhill yeah. that's why that's okay. why yeah yeah 60 i mean hit. if you could control the bike whilst <laughs> <laughs> while pedaling at 60 miles an hour go for it <laughs> yeah so i think um i have i'm i'm curious about it i am interested I probably would pull the trigger on something like that in the future. I, it'll, I'm guessing it would be, you know, maybe next fall or next, you know, maybe like some sort of yeah. winter deal, try and snag some sort of pricing deal. Because the pricing on this stuff is the real kick yeah. in the pants. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It should not be priced that high. The it's rotor a, stuff, no. the, the low the end, the low end drivetrain is 2800 bucks. Yeah. That's See, the, but hold on. There there's a caveat to that. That does include the wheel set. So oh, okay. that because that's they fair. you need to make everything fit. If you want to get into their high end stuff to be, you know, comparable to say like Durace or the the red, um you're looking at spending almost 5 grand. But Jeez. again, includes wheel set. So Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. wheel set and power mirror on that one. So Wow. Yeah. It's actually that's not nice. a terrible deal. No, right. not no, terrible, but not still you're just talking it's about expensive. a freaking it's, drive it's train. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Put that on a you know four thousand dollar frame set. Oh yeah. yeah. Here, here's what I think. I think if you're Climber switching, if you're switching right. down to a one by system, the price should basically drop not in half but pretty damn close because you're losing a whole front derailleur. Yeah. Like I just think the pricing is is not. That's another fair. reason why they're saying that Shimano is taking so long to do this because they make a lot of money on front derailleurs. Yeah. yeah. And how do you charge people when you're like, we're going to give you half of what you had before. Yeah. We want you to pay the same amount. This is this is the problem with the cycling industry, I feel like. And this is after going to that Reno convention. Yeah. All the talks there were they're like this massed positivity with this really underlying negativity of the cycling industry has screwed itself. Long term it's it's overpriced itself and its shops are suffering as a result. Yeah. And they keep on it's it's like the problem that medicine has right now. Medicine is saying we have an opioid epidemic. So we need to, you know, start start investing in in less expensive means of of medicine. But they're cutting funding from things like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. Well, the cycling world's saying we have this epidemic right now that people aren't racing, people aren't going right. to these racing events. Let's make it more expensive to get in. This what, is true. I mean, yeah, yeah. what are they doing? And it's that, idiotic. In that same <laughs> paradigm, yeah, road bikes, it's not uncommon to spend, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars on a road bike. And what then you gotta kid go out there do that? and then you gotta go out there and battle with all these freaking idiots driving in their cars looking at yep. their phones and, and running you over. Yeah. Well, and then not get reimbursed when it yeah, breaks. And then why don't you just go spend twenty five hundred bucks on a gravel bike, go ride mm-hmm. on gravel roads where there are no cars, and not and, get hit by a car, and not get hit by yeah. a car, yeah. and and have fun being out in the middle of nowhere, not dealing with pollution and, and population. Yeah. And the only downside to that is that you're secluded if something does go sideways. Mm-hmm. But I I would love to see some technology that that allows me yeah. to better communicate with everybody where I'm at in case something yeah. goes wrong. 
So. And this is, I mean, the, the Matt, like we know, like the triathlon world's got the same thing. Aerodynamics yeah. are everything in triathlon. Yeah. To get fast on a bike right now is costing you a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's we've stupid. got, I mean, it's we, like, we want to keep on going faster and everything, but. And you want the sport to do well, right? Yeah. Like you want people, yeah. like, and I feel like people are leaving triathlon in droves and yeah. the sport's drying up. And, and this is just kind of like my general, you know, stepping back and looking at things does mm-hmm. not look good. And how do you tell yeah. someone like, Hey, try triathlon. It, you know, you need a thousand dollars minimum to just scrape by on, right. on I mean, and that's yeah. going to get you, you know, in a race and be able to get you to the finish line, but you're going to be the guy on, you know, the mountain bike or the guy yeah. that's not, I mean, obviously you're not going to be competitive or whatever it is. No. Like that's crap. That question is crap. for you though. About dollars. Yeah. How, how is Xterra doing in comparison to say triathlon? I've, I've heard Xterra is growing actually. They've got, they've done mm-hmm. okay, but I don't think they're doing unbelievably well. They're not, it's not like, you know, so in my opinion, like you look at what's going on in cycling, like gravel bike races and gravel yeah. events, that's blowing up. It looks yeah. like it's like, that's going to be, I feel like it kind of has that feeling of cyclocross where it's like, people are mm-hmm. excited about this. Like this is going to do well. I don't see that with Xterra and triathlon. I think people are long distance it, and triathlons growing still iron, Ironman participation is growing, yeah. but the, the local races are the ones that are struggling. I think I think yeah. we're lucky to be in a region we're where we a, have Y triathlon, which yeah. is killing it, and we're they're a, awesome. I mean, doing, they're, they're our great, region, our region is doing just fine. Yeah. If you look at it nationally, though, I, I'm thinking more nationally. Yeah, like it just doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's doing great, and yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We're trying. Yeah. So one by drive training. That's what you're. Uh, I'm you're interested. On. I mean, there's other things too. Like there's some um, there's some really cool tools right now. Uh, and I can't remember any specific company names, but there's a, two or three companies that are making these little aerodynamic sticks that go on the front of your bikes. You, I don't, mm. you, you might not have seen this, but, uh, this. it's pretty cool. And basically you're measuring stuff. Um, some, you're getting like weather information, uh, and then you're getting, um, basically, uh, the actual wind information and it's gonna, it's basically kind of giving you an estimate or I think it's a pretty decently accurate, um, like CDA number. And so, and you can get a live feed of that. That's like your own wind tunnel right there it's without a trip to San Diego. That's right. pretty cool. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of like the idea of your, you know, your own wind tunnel information on every ride and you can kind of see how tucking your head and things like that are affecting sure. it. Would it work if you put like a home fan in front of you? I have no idea. That'd be cool. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's probably using like GPS too to get yeah. your speed and all that. Cause I think that would come into, so if you're going zero miles an hour with that fan, then you're not getting any information out of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty tricky, but no, I, I, I think that stuff is coming out this year. Basically there's some interesting stuff like you can purchase it now, but like one of the companies is selling, um, that particular device along with going to a camp where you learn how to use it correctly. Um, because I think the, these things are not quite, you, you know, they're not user friendly, mm-hmm. but then, you know, I mean like this is an inevitable Garmin purchase slash they're going to have their own device, you know, where you can add it yeah. to all your other series of Garmin devices. And I think, um, definitely from a triathlon perspective or time trial perspective, it would be a hugely valuable tool because you can test your gear and you can see if it's, you know, if one helmet is faster than another. And that is very, you know, a lot of that gearing is very specific to like, you as a person in your, mm-hmm. like the way you have set up on the bike and how it interacts with your clothes and like all this weird stuff. Yeah. And so it's very hard to like, say, just grab something off the shelf and say, this will make me faster. You know, you don't know until you've tested it in a wind tunnel and none of us are going to wind tunnel. I don't think. No. So, it w- and I mean, it would be interesting on a road bike too, like for you to say like, Hey, you know, if I put my head in this position, it's a free 10 Watts. You know, yeah, like that's for a sure. lot, yeah. you know? And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like you learn a couple little things like that and then 
you know, from there, who knows? Definitely. Good. So we'll see that to those tools. I've got a couple things here. Um, and we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and Lance has already alluded to it one other time in this conversation today. Um, the devices that are tracking recovery, that is of interest to me because I think that there's a huge yeah. play there because I think that people classically uh, don't recover enough and they don't they don't have a good way of determining other than like they feel like utter crap and sometimes that's <laughs> pretty much too late. Um, Lance, the whoop strap, you've now been using it for how long? Uh, like four weeks. <clears throat> what's your what's weeks. your impression? Because when we first talked about it, I think it was pretty early on with you starting to use it. And I at the training camp, you and Chris are at were basically comparing numbers all day long, and I'm, yeah. I kept like just paying attention and trying to soak up like what you guys had to say about that. Do you think that that is a, a valid device? Do you think that you're getting valid numbers? And do you think it's worth the subscription fee that you have to pay to use it? Um, so far, it's it's been great for yeah. me. Better than I expected. Uh, one, one of the things that worried me was, what if I wake up in the morning and I don't have a good sleep or good rest and my recovery number is crap. Yeah. And I've got some big plan for the day. Because that happened twice during yeah. training camp. I woke up in the red, which is take a day off. Yeah. You know, and I did not take a day off. I went out for 80 miles and 8,500 feet of climbing. And I still felt decent. I yeah. didn't feel great. So that's what worried me initially is, is what if I get this signal that I'm not doing well and um, I need to go out anywhere. You have a big race the next day. Sure. Um, but what what it's helped me focus on, and which I never really have, is is really the quality of sleep that I'm getting, and sure. how much good sleep affects your recovery. And I have always ignored that. You know, eight hours of sleep is for you know lazy people and suckers <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a culture so th th this is a cultural thing to talk yes. about though because that's develop i mean that has been a, a, a thing like a pop culture thing if you're sleeping yeah. a lot that's laziness when really we need to be looking at it as i mean it can definitely make you better at what you do if you're sleeping yeah. like i hear so not to talk down patients i hear so many patients who come in who I'll just say are not excelling in what they're doing, we'll say. And they're almost bragging to me that they're sleeping only four or five hours a night. Yeah. And I almost want to look at them and be like, why are you bragging? That, that's not something you should be bragging it's about. not a badge of honor. First yeah. off, there's no reason for you to be up at 11 p.m. Yeah. There's not. Yeah. What, what like, are you doing? Sitting there watching Netflix? Finish your yeah. TV show. Finish your TV show, turn it off and go to bed. Like, yeah. be, be a gosh darn yeah. adult. And it's like... I mean, it, well, you are such an old person. I know, well, no, if you suck during the day, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I mean, no. like it's, it, it's almost like a built-in excuse at that point. You're like, oh, well, I'm really tired and suck today because I only slept four hours. Like, well, why'd you sleep four hours? Like yeah. you're an adult, go to bed earlier. Yep. Now when you were in Lance's situation, when he was training for an Ironman, owned multiple dental clinics yeah. and had a family, there's your reasoning. But if you have the availability to sleep more, like you said, like it's not weakness. It's, it's being smart about Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a different mindset for mm -hmm. me entirely. I used yeah. to think I can get by on five hours of sleep. I'm going to be fine getting by on five hours of sleep. And I, and was I able to run my businesses and train and do all those things okay? Yeah. Could I have been so much better if go. I was yeah. getting eight hours of sleep? Yes, yeah. I would have. Or even seven. Or yeah. even seven? Yeah. It I would have been even more clear-headed. Mm -hmm. I would have had even better quality training. 
Uh, you would have just felt better yes. too. So I mean, think about how much stress you had in your life. Right. There. Yeah. So that was the thing. That's the thing that I like about the whoop strap so far is it's really made me focus on my recovery and, and what I'm doing. Cause yep. it, cause you wear this, this band mm-hmm. all day long that measures your heart rate all day long, your body temperature. Um, it measures your heart rate variability all, all day long. And as you're, as you're doing that, um, you know, you get you get full day numbers. You don't wear chest wrap all day long. You drive freaking crazy. This this is taking me, you know, a bit to get used to. So I mean, I'm sure that they can grow upon that too, because all they're doing is basing it off of heart rate, correct? Heart rate and body temperature. It, it body. measures those two things, and it measures heart rate variability. It, it's okay. it's proprietary. The the sensors in here. Yeah. Gotcha. Evan, what could they do to that to make oh. it even more? This is, I mean, let's let's jump into the future, Lance. Mm-hmm. Here, like thinking medically. I mean, they could, if it could taste, O2 if, sensor or something. Like if that. they if they could track your endocrine system somehow, yes. if there's some way that they could track, because that to or lactic acid levels. Yeah, because I mean, to, to to me, it's it's, I mean, heart rate can only give you so much information, and right. the body temperature. I don't know about the body temperature. I feel like that's just there's collecting data and kind of stabbing at that. I feel like there's so body much variability in body temperature between. You know, yeah, but if it, you wear it and it's, I mean, like it can create an average, I guess. But yeah, you, yeah, you have, you're talking long term. Yeah, if they could track lactic acid levels, if they could track blood glucose levels, blood glucose yeah. Levels. So they had, I, okay, I so, would want to know insulin levels. Yes. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood glucose. I mean, those things, levels. and those are all blood tests at but, this point. Well, Garmin's going to make us swallow a pill at some point. That's going to be measuring like your cortisol levels too, or something right? crazy. There like, are a number of companies that do continuous blood glucose monitoring. Yeah, so you you basically okay. are you are using an implant based basically a small piece and i mean that's you're getting a continuous number you you eat a donut you see a spike like you will can i can i be the old guy again here for a second this is a number overload i feel like this not not if you're diabetic yeah well no no no. i'm talking i'm talking about from a training perspective uh, if you are diabetic, yes, that is an important number yeah. to know. And that's what they're those that's what that's targeting. Yeah, but, but you're yeah, also okay, okay. you're talking about people who are trying to go from yeah. from you know elite level to super elite yeah. level, right? Yeah. You're you're trying to get that, yeah, that extra two yeah. percent or one percent that's yeah. gonna help yeah. in that, you know, last sprint of a hundred and ten mile race. Yeah. You know. This is true. Well, and I also think um with any of this stuff, right? Like, so, so Lance could stop wearing the whoop strap and he could be a better athlete because he wore it for a, a month and a half or yeah. two months. Same thing with continuous blood, you know, blood mm-hmm. glucose monitoring. You, you wear it for, you know, three or four months. You start to realize like, okay, you know, I can have a cup of coffee. No but problem. The creamer puts me but, over the top. Yeah. yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you start to see patterns and then you change your lifestyle or mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that donut is not worth it. Like, or whatever. Like, so yeah. then, then all of a sudden, <laughs> Oh, or maybe it is right. So like yeah. you could, like you could look at your numbers and you can make that decision Yeah. without those numbers. You're just taking a shot in the dark. Yeah. You know, I mean like we all look at power meters and a lot of, there's so many people that are like power meters are stupid, blah, 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 blah. We all use them for training. Right. And yeah. I feel like you start to get a feel too with power meters where it's like, Hey, you know, like in an Ironman race, I know that if I go out a little bit more reasonable, climb at a certain intensity, like that's going to be a more ideal situation for me. Mm-hmm. If you took the power meters off our bike, we would race smarter because we have had power meters in the past. Right. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, explore new technology, be skeptical. I love the concept of like leaving stuff at home a lot of times and not using it, but, yeah. um, 
but there's definitely some interesting tools that are definitely coming down the pipeline for athletes. So would you say that there's going to be a day in time where we will have like your little cyborg cyclists out there running around with implants in them, like basically measuring all the different metrics that are going on from a physiological standpoint. So that, that won't you be can, me, but yes, <laughs> I think, I think I mean, that day's coming. That could well, be quite interesting. Here's the thing. Are we already there? Don't yeah. we have power meters? And sort are, of. But I mean, think about this compared to the 1980s. And, yeah. I mean, really think think about how a cyclist trained in the 1980s. If you put that now compared to like what, what Lance is doing with like the whoop, power meter, and Lance I would consider to be somebody who is what, like in the median of people who look at numbers probably. Yeah, right, right. I mean, we we know people who are like, More obsessed. I mean, they're, sure. they're weighing the grams of stuff. You right. know I mean? They're weighing grams. They probably already have the, I mean, they've been to wind tunnels. They know their yep. numbers. Wind They're probably monitoring their blood glucose. Weighing like, their food and things like weighing that. Their I mean, food, we've seen yeah. that yeah. in the past. It's, what if you had a screen on your Garmin that showed stuff like what your <laughs> right. blood insulin level is, what well, your yeah. lactic acid I mean, levels really? are, what your hydration yeah. levels are. Right. All of these Instead things. of a heart rate number, yeah, what if we had like, you are at this percentage of your lactate threshold yes. at this moment. Good God. like that. I mean, an actual measurement of that. Not like the heart rate guesstimated one, yeah. like an actual number. Well, I think there's more science to this that we're not super privy to, right? Like how to measure blood lactate acid. I mean, you can do a blood test for that, but isn't you should just better? do earlobe pricks. I mean, that was what we yeah, did back in the But those yeah. are still not the best estimates, don't they? They usually want to measure like how much lactic acid is in the muscle versus like uh, circulating in the blood. We yeah. there which you can't do either. It's just it's a just biopsy. a byproduct, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. So you can't do it. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. I just think I, th- I don't think that we're that far away from being able to monitor some of this stuff. I think we could probably do a lot of that stuff today. I'm sure a lot of it's out there. Yeah. Right. But Would like, you guys get an implant? I'm no. thinking if it became available technology. <laughs> Never in a, if somebody told me you will win this race if you do oh. this and you get these implants and you watch these numbers, I would not do it. Get I don't off care. my lawn. I don't get your technologies. Because I, I love, so this is, this goes to my core belief with endurance sports. I go off like the Elliot Kipchoge like sort of mindset. Yeah, sure. He is uh, like he he had to be forced in this like Nike project. He was accepting yeah. of it, but he himself actually did not look at a lot of the numbers. He let the other people around Do him look it. at the numbers. When I'm training as an endurance athlete, it's to get to know my body better. Sure. Like that is why I do it is so that I can understand like my true limits, like my perception of my limits, what I'm able to push myself to and like grow as an endurance athlete. The, these numbers but the make point, it. But the point you're doing that is so that during a race, yeah. you know how hard I can push and where I have to back off, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you know what your body feels like. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, get, you're going to be stabbing in the dark. You're going to be, yeah. you're going to be figuring trial and error, trial and error, figuring yeah. this out. And you're never going to truly, truly know you're going to get close though. Yeah. If you had the science, it's going to quantify yeah. your feelings and you're going to like, and all this, right. And this is ironic for me, I know, because I have like an exercise physiology degree and love this stuff. And I sure. look at these numbers <laughs> and I measure it in people and right. I, and I see the benefit that this is the complex of like, this is the stuff I would talk to my patients and like push them towards. But like, I would never tell any of my patients to do the style that I do of anything. Sure. Sure. And that's the biggest hypocritical thing of all time. I will definitely assess myself and say that's amazingly yeah, hypocritical. But I think that's okay. Like, but, I mean, but that's, that, you're in it for different reasons. That's how I get, enjo- that's how I get fulfillment out of you're it. You're also not say. really there for the health benefits, to be honest. No, you no, want to do, I want to be fast. Do well. yeah. yeah. And this is to, to, to me, I get fulfillment out of it, staying away from the numbers. I gotcha. know for, for my mental health, when I start to get delve into the numbers and get too obsessed with the numbers, that's when I get not happy with the sport and I don't care anymore. 
Yeah. So like for me, yeah, if they were handing out implantable chips, that's like, no, nah, that's okay. I don't care if this hard helps pass, me win. I'm so hard pass on it. Hard yeah. pass, hard no. How about you, yeah. Matt? Yeah, I mean, I um, I find like I'm I'm partially in Evan's camp of like get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> but uh, they did this for years without this so, stuff. So yeah. So like running, like I just grew up running. Like yeah. didn't wear a watch a lot of times. Yeah. You just go run and you got faster. Uh, and mm-hmm. so there's a purity to that for sure. And I also, um, and I, but I, I like to test out new things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, there's uh, a power meter for runners called the stride power meter. I'm interested by the stride power meter. Borrow, borrow mine because yeah. I sure as hell don't use it. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's like, I'm very interested by it. it but yeah. yeah. Borrow it. I mean, take it and play with it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's just like, it's just not that good. And I, and I want to like it because it's, you know, it's techie or whatever. And people are super interested in it because it's super techie. Mm-hmm. But like, honestly, like from a, from a testing point of view for like somebody w- with me who like works with runners, it's useful, yeah, but yeah, sure. for, for, for like, for like you grand purchase, and, yeah, for, for, for like grand purchase, it's tough right now. They, they, it, they got some work to do. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, you want to use it to pace yourself on hilly ri- runs and stuff like that. Just like you would use the power meter for biking. And I'm a big believer in power meters for bikes, but like, you know, mm-hmm. I put this thing on or whatever and I'm just not, I just don't use the data. I just mm-hmm. flat out don't use the data. I did make a YouTube video on the stride power meter. You can check yep. it out on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Grand. That's probably one of my po- most popular videos because people mm-hmm. want to know about it. Yeah. And you know, anyway, I go through and I said, this is a fantastic product. It's very well built, blah, 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 blah. Keep going on, you know, very positively about it. But should you buy it? Probably not. I think it's a lot like like the whoop strap too. I'll put like stride whoop in a lot of these things. I think this is the data collection era right now. Yeah, and I don't know. And I don't think that the, these have the answers. I think that the technology is but, awesome, and something like stride can if, develop to be right. good. But if but you yeah. use that data, well, here's the thing: it's like there, I, so I collect a whole bunch of data. I wore it for a year, mm-hmm. just didn't use the data. Yeah. So therefore, it's not worth my time yeah. of adding extra weight to my foot or whatever. The whoop data, like if you're using it to change things, then great. Like. If there was an implant, I would probably, especially like blood glucose implant, like I, I'm super interested in that one because my sugar numbers and stuff like that are all mm-hmm. out of whack and stuff like that. So it's like monitor this stuff absolutely as, as long as it doesn't get in your way. Whereas yeah. like when you're swimming and you're biking and you're running hard, it's like I don't understand how some of the continuous blood glucose monitors would handle that very well right. you know so it's a matter of like i want to technology advancing yeah. so would i would i do an implant yes yep the answer would be yes to that and i might not do it forever you know depending on like if it was like you have to have this forever then i might be like no 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 but like if it's like hey you wear this thing just like the blood glucose monitors then i would i would consider trying that for sure what if garmin was able to track where you are with it <laughs> Seriously, that's a good, good question. Yeah, so, so if you're, yeah, you I mean, mean like you GPS might as well. track you? How close, how close are we getting to 1984 here? I mean, really? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, I mean, really? Because <laughs> then then if you can take all of this, you know, stuff off your yeah. watch and you don't have to wear a watch and you just have this in one spot, you know, whether that's kind of at your belly basically is where they do the mm-hmm. current stuff now. And you just got a little, maybe just a watch that shows you the data or even those, if anybody's seen the glasses, the that glasses project in the front data is there. You know, I'm okay with um, Garmin. I mean, obviously I'm wearing a Garmin watch. Does Garmin know where I am? Oh. Not really. Uh, do they? I don't know. They don't know where I am right now because okay. I'm not using the GPS at this, okay. at this point. But Apple knows where I am. Yeah. So it's... This is true. This we're already there. It's just a matter of moving the technology to different spots. And if that makes it easier Inside of you, Oh my God, I just don't. <laughs> well, yes, but you, you can take those pieces out or whatever. It's just, it just needs access to your blood. 
<laughs> sounds scary. But this so is, my this question is, is some like bad sci-fi movie yeah. waiting to happen. Right my now. my issue is really like the logistics of it, where it's like, hey, how's the swimming going to work out? Like yeah. that's what I'm worried yeah. about. Like other than that, I'd be fine with it. So. Yeah, right. Lance. Oh yeah. God, stick, Lance, stick come on, man! Me. I was yeah, so sure no. that you were going to be on my side here. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy with disposable income. I'm looking for every advantage but I can find that is legal. It's an implantable <laughs> device. What are you doing? Like, it's, it's... Evan, I will say you're the you're you're the only reasonable person here. Okay. <laughs> that is also <laughs> true. But Jake, what do you think? I would do it just because oh my I, I God. Like metrics numbers. <laughs> yep. I want the blood. I want the blood. We're all a so yes, bad. and Evan is not accepting I, that. I was, how I is the, want, how I is the only millennial at this table, the one who's like, screw that. I would never let yeah. somebody put that I in. I don't want it to be permanent. I'm just curious. I want to know. And yeah. if I can fine-tune things, if I can get to know myself even better, and if I can make myself a little bit stronger and faster for sake of the sport that I love, yeah. I'm all about it. Jake well, always makes it sound reasonable, but I'm going to jump way over on the other side of the fence here. <laughs> I would say you're the reasonable one at the table. But as well, I think, Jake can always make something like this seem same, reasonable to me, though. The other so. thing is, is I think that there's when you're monitoring blood and things like that, there's some potential real health benefits for like living longer yeah, with yeah, your life. Yeah. What if and it tests, you know, cholesterol, food reactions food and reactions. food allergies? We could find intolerances and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Testosterone levels mm-hmm. and what you're doing in your life that increases those, because that's concern for older people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you know? What if it tests, you know, lactic acid levels yep. and glucose levels and cortisol levels what if you got all those numbers and you could find out what things you do during the day what things you eat what things mm-hmm. you don't eat right. how your fasting affects it yeah. how it doesn't affect it all so those for, things for you three that's great let me tell you something from me here all three of you know what stresses me out here numbers so you know what increases cortisol <laughs> having that thing in me so there you go oh, the, those numbers chip in there we'll just tell you like hey evan do this tomorrow if you guys could put it way. in me without me knowing and just tell me like hey evan you've been sleeping okay lately yeah. like start to do that, cyber then, coach, yeah. Yeah. that that'd be good <laughs> <laughs> but if i knew it was in me no my training would go to, to it would it would tank all right um any last little things you guys you guys want to bring up and this uh curiosity factor i i, I think we've talked yeah, about we enough it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> flew off the rails <laughs> on that did. last one i'm just my mind is racing with like george orwell sort of like issues with this entire thing but i'm gonna toss sure. one more out there i'm gonna um, put a time limit on this thing okay um i'm very curious about smart vehicles and their ability to sense um yeah. their surroundings yeah. uh, mm. more specifically cyclists and right. being able to was this tesla that was coming out with this technology i, I, I don't know so, Matt, what do you yeah know? i can speak to this so any autonomous vehicles that are being used and they are being used on the roads right now, they're testing all of this stuff have to be able to sense for pedestrians and cyclists. So, um, any of your stuff where it's like kind of assisted cruise control does not have to have that particular like functionality. So for example, um, like the Tesla or whatever. So you can be on a road or whatever, and you can kind of like set it to like automatic drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's basically looking at like lanes and cars in front of it and things like that. Um, but it's not like fully autonomous. Like it it can't go and, and make the right turn for you or avoid, you know, pedestrians or cyclists or anything like that. So that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit scary, but at the same time, like (laughs) it still might be better than a lot of the people on their phones in the road. Um, but the, 
the uh, there are other companies there's a company called like Waymo and things like that that's kind of like Google's you know self-driving mm-hmm. car vehicle stuff like that and those guys are using slightly different technology um, where they're sensing basically everything and they're building more of a picture of what's on the road it's, it's different sensors basically um, where you're really talking about like not having a driver at all like just having passenger seats inside the vehicle uh, and those are sensing for all kinds of different things. If dog runs out into the road, like it'd be it awesome. could, it could yeah. s- be a lot better than people driving out there. Yeah. And, and there's still, um, the, the laws currently are like, you can apply for testing of those vehicles on the roads, yeah. but you cannot, there's, there's, you know, there are some um, trucking companies and things like that that are using some stuff, but it's not, it's not Ooh, ready. I still think yeah. we're 10 years away. From I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that to, end up t- uh, if that if that took away the jobs from the trucking industry i feel like that would right. be very difficult that's on the people. fear you know that, that i'm not sure if i'd like industry is gonna go tough. down that would suck. Yeah. you're gonna lose some truck suck. drivers it'll, that's it'll coming happen. it'll that's gonna that's happen. coming it's, it's the same yeah you know i mean it's like, gonna be a job that can get automated that's a shame but yeah, yeah. it's it's that's inevitable i'm afraid yeah yeah and it, it, this has happened in history in the past, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So you think uh, if you're shooing horses, your job is gone. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 years-ish, you think we'll I, have uh, yeah. something out there? I think um, I think basically it'll be interesting to see how the technology comes into the marketplace because, you know, it's going to be really expensive. It's one thing if you're a trucking industry and you're, you know, that's a little bit more of a no-brainer. But if, you know... If Jake's thinking about buying a car and it can drive itself for, you know, like his daughter, it's important or whatever. But if the price is astronomical, which it will be at first, you know, at some point, like there's, you know, there's a tipping point for, how you know, you'll see, you know, 30% of the cars on the road are driving themselves and it's a little weird. That's the stuff that I think is kind of like, I'm not sure how that's going to roll out. And that's probably seven years Mm -hmm. away as opposed to 10. And then all of a sudden you have that tipping point and it's like, Nope, the prices have come down and you kind of need this to be safe because at some point they're just going to look at the numbers and they're going to be like, people die when they don't have this technology. Yeah. So it's going to be a law or yeah. whatever it is. So who knows? Who knows on time frames? Interesting. All right. It'll be well, easier to bike, I think, at that point. I'm yeah. hoping so. I this really topic am. should have been like renamed like a peak into the future or like a terrifying creep into the <laughs> peak into the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think right now is the most. Or Evan's worst nightmare. Evan's worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Check Evan's heart rate right now. How low <laughs> is that? My cortisol levels, if I had that little implant right Yeah, Can you guys see it on your computers right <laughs> yeah, now? we got you. It's spiking. We, we know where you are. All right, let's get into one last thing. Matt, would you care to start us off on one last thing? Yes. Um, I think I promised at one point to post some video of the training camp, and I haven't done it yet, but it is on my list. Um, go to my channel and subscribe, and you will see, you will be notified of whenever I post something about the training camp. I think I'm going to do, you know, one or two videos, kind of just kind of talking about it uh, in total, and uh, you'll get to see. I'm excited for that. You'll get to see the house. You'll get to see people on bikes. You'll get to see all that stuff. Fun times for sure. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Evan, one last thing. Uh, One thing for all the tri-geeks out there, Super League Singapore, the grand finale was this last weekend. Get on the YouTube and watch it. it. I won't ruin anything from it because it's definitely worth it. The the racing is just so awesome. How much time is it? Can you watch a whole, is it like a... Um, The the races are only 20, 30 minutes long. So you can like... about like a trainer ride. Yeah, women's and men's race were awesome. The women's race was incredibly tight in one of those races. It was worth the watch. So I will not ruin it. Okay. Get on your bikes, watch it. It's perfect for that 20, 30 minute range in time. Um, and also we had a try meeting on Saturday, Matt. How did that go? So many people showed up. Sorry. I missed it. A really? lot. I think it was like 30 some people showed wow. up. Wow. It was awesome. The kids look 
great. They fit amazingly well. The people are really cool. We got a lot of new members, which is good. A lot of faces I didn't recognize, which wow. is great. Um, Wish I could have been there. Yeah, it's going to be a fun year, definitely. Definitely. Excellent. Lance, one last thing. We alluded to a story uh, last week a couple of times, and we never actually finished it. We were talking about the broken cleat and we kept getting oh. derailed we never yeah. actually <laughs> we were so finished that story so evan for you i'm out of this yeah um, <laughs> it was on day five or something like something this like that, yeah. it was on day five and mm-hmm. we we were having sprint competitions also right. during the day where anytime there was a stop ahead sign you would sprint for it and we had green green jersey or green sock competition for whoever whoever won the most sprints. I did, I did see the competitions. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. So it always ended up kind of being a fight between me and Chris Surratt. We always were battling. And we we uh, we rolled up. We came up to, we could see a, a stop ahead sign coming. And I went to jump really hard to get a jump on him because he didn't look like he was ready for it. And I ripped my cleat right I, I broke my cleat on the, the my nose shoe. Of the, the nose of the look cleat that he uses just snapped right I off. snapped it right off. So the part that That's engages impressive. in the front. Yeah. That's very impressive. So it wasn't like, I didn't just like unclip. I like broke it. Did you get to look at the power numbers at that? <laughs> no. Well, I, I it was over like 1,200 watts. It wasn't, okay. you know, huge. I think I had damaged the cleat at some point and ah. it just gave at that point. And I had to, we had to, I had to ride to a bike shop and buy new cleats. There was, I, I couldn't clip in <laughs> the rest of the day until I got to a bike <laughs> shop anyway. So yeah, it was a little bike shop down in Torrey Pines. What was Cycle Works? Cycle Quest. Quest. That's it. That's Cycle it. Quest. It's, yeah. Shout out to Cycle Quest. Cycle Quest. <laughs> down in San Diego. Yeah. It's a little like commuter bike store. That's primarily what they had is like commuters and uh-huh. maybe a couple of gravel bikes in there too. And we rolled in with 18 people. Yeah. And the <laughs> lady that runs the shop got all excited. Like, oh my gosh, look at all and these cyclists. And you bought a cleat from <laughs> this a cleat. poor store. That I bought. bought a pair of socks as oh, well. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Um, because I... There was a yellow jersey, yellow socks competition, uh-huh. and I had them for like three days, and I, I stained them, I chain marked them, and I bled on them. Uh, <laughs> so I had ew. to buy, I had to buy new yellow socks to replace them for the competition. Yeah. So. And then um, she came outside and she asked if she could take our picture. She wanted to put us up on her Instagram account. Yeah, oh, that's, that's cool. kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Dial Cycling Team. Visit Cycle Quest. Yeah. yeah Dial was... Cycling Team of Portland, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> that was, Where are you guys from? That yeah. yeah. So that that was my broken cleat story that I never got to finish last Very week. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, my one last thing is we've got things coming up. We've got our team's whiff ride, um, tomorrow night, which will be Tuesday. We record this on Monday. So on Tuesday night, that will be coming up. Um, you'll be listening to this after the fact. So the following Tuesday will be, um, I think one of our last ones of the, the winter season because the time changes on March 10th, which is coming up pretty darn soon. Soon. Yes. Um, so if we get some bad weather, it might like kind of continue on for a little mm-hmm. bit longer but we've only got a few handful of those left come join us on those Zwift rides because they are great training rides good fun yeah good fun mm-hmm. uh, we've got jack frost time trial coming up that is again we talked about this earlier that's the kind of the 
unofficial official kickoff of the the road season Mm -hmm. and that will be on the 10th which is going to be the same day that time changes on march 10th 10th. um and then i am going to be planning a team ride hopefully for this coming weekend um kind of like what we did last year to kind of go out and preview the the flat area which we've done that ride a few times and everybody knows it pretty well but going out to vancouver lake and and rolling through the jack frost time trial and adding on some more miles and just getting a good workout in for the team we did it last year it was fun um we went out there and everybody kind of dropped the hammer on the course and then we rode together for the rest of the ride and there was lots and lots of flats but it was lots of fun so <laughs> evan if you come on that I please bring new tires <laughs> yeah put new tires has, on before you come on that. he has new tires they're the same age as he is <laughs> yeah <laughs> duct taped up and everything yeah yeah oh, like 30 30 so. year old tires they uh, speaking of that jake i gotta go in the garage and work on it i gotta get that bike yeah, it's been in my house for like a month. I know. I know. It's been there three weeks now. Three weeks yeah. it's been in Jake's garage. Cool. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's about it, guys. It was uh, a great week. I hope you guys all didn't mind us rambling on too much about this training camp. It was um, just so much fun. I wish that more people could have come. And Good times. If, uh, if you're on a team and you are curious about this kind of stuff, reach out to us and talk to us about questions because if you set something up, I guarantee you're going to have a blast. And there's so many cool places. And it doesn't have to cost a ton of money. You can do stuff relatively local make it just a, mm-hmm. a driving destination as opposed to get on an airplane but um yeah we really had, had a good time evan we missed you next year you gotta somehow figure out how to I get gotta, down there i gotta i gotta figure out how to get more pto guys <laughs> 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 you gotta open up your own co- your own shop or something seriously yeah. <laughs> but, all right well i appreciate uh the time with you guys as always it's a blast um, everybody who's been listening to us out there, thank you very much. Um, feel free to chime in on any of our social networks um, at Dial Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, say hi to us, ask us questions. And if you guys have some topics out there that you'd like us to discuss or cover, or if you um, have questions for us, chime in, let us know. We'd be happy to talk to them. All right. You guys have a good week. Everybody Thanks, listen. Jake. Bye for now.